Hello, everybody. You're listening to The Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 39, The C Word. Big Chillians, and welcome back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Sam and Eddie. So today I uh, opened up ESPN.com and they had the German Cup final on, and it was nice to hear our friend Derek Ray announcing. Instantly recognizable, so that was pretty cool. And for those who have no idea what we're talking about, go through to our backlog, and we did an interview with Derek Ray, who's the ESPN... What is he, the Bundesliga announcer, a bunch of other soccer? Yeah, he's a he's the commentator for ESPN for the Bundesliga coverage. And then in addition to that, he more famous writes <laughs> he writes for the ESPN website. And then he's and also one of the two voices for FIFA uh, in yeah. the English in the English version of the game. So that's probably where most people if you're not American, that's where you will have heard his his voice. Although he did previously work for the BBC and BT Sport and stuff. But that's probably where most of our listeners will recognize his, his voice from. Yeah. I, I mean, he said he usually gives a shout out to the Big Chill podcast every time he announces a match. But I just hadn't listened enough. So I probably I think he it. says it in German. So <laughs> it, it might have gone, gone over your head. <laughs> it probably <laughs> sounds really good in German. just And very aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, uh, very efficient. Actually, speaking of Derek Ray. I kind of interacted with him on Twitter a little bit this week because he was a little critical of the decision to play the Champions League final in Porto, basically not understanding why it would be safe for 6,000 fans from each team to make a sort of leisure trip to Portugal to watch a, a football match and why the sensible, arguing that the sensible decision would have been to have played in the UK, which which is something we discussed in the last episode, and I think something we all agreed with. Yeah, I, I, still, I don't understand it. I mean, the main thing, right, of spreading it is travel. That's one of the highest risks for having outbreaks and things not be contained. So, And you actually had a chance this year, just randomly, the way it worked out, that you could have had it played in a country where both teams are from that country. That seems like a very amazingly great cop out to be yeah. safe under the conditions and still have fans and have it be exciting. And they blew it. <laughs> yeah. What was somehow about it as well is that the the kind of mayor of Porto or the Portuguese authorities have basically said that all the fans that are going have to fly in on the day, be in a bubble until they go in a stadium, then obviously continue to be in a bubble when they're in a stadium. But they also have to fly back on the same day. They can only Do they have be to fly there. the plane into the stadium. Is that yeah. what he said? I mean, that, that <laughs> might be terrorism. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I wouldn't want to go. Would you? Would you do a day trip like that? Given how structured I think you'd be, and poorly, I think you'd be surprised how many people effectively do a day trip to go and watch the Champions League final. So I don't think those plans aren't that far removed from what most people would have done. They probably would have planned on spending the night out celebrating or commiserating, but you know, no one's spending more than 24 hours on their Champions yeah. League trip anyway. But I mean, how it would much, be a rowdy plane ride. How back, much, though. yeah, how much would it suck if you were like, 
say like Man City win, like you're a Chelsea fan that just happened to live like in the East Midlands or like Manchester <laughs> Airport and you were on that plane back. Oof. Oh, yeah. Also, how expensive are these tickets going to be? Because it basically means that 6,000 fans from each of these teams are going to have the options of maybe taking four flights or something. I mean, that doesn't yeah, like logistically, that, planes, logistically that doesn't even work. But if you see what they're going to have to put on flights <laughs> specifically for this event. And yeah, it means yeah. that that could be kind of cool, though. It'll be you're right. It'll be expensive. But maybe if they can personalize it, you know, have almost a dedicated flight. Where well, they will just all well, the they will. The planes will be that charged. sounds off. That sounds awful oh. to me. Well, yeah, but you're not the type of person that's going to be doing that, right? The type of people who are doing this probably love it. (laughs) No, I'm sure they do. But the idea of being... What a damning indictment of fans. Well, the idea of being (laughs) on... No, the idea of being on like... For our listeners, he doesn't even have his mean hat on. He doesn't even have his angry hat on today. (laughs) But but imagine being on like an easy jet flight with, you know, a hundred drunk football supporters just chanting on your entire flight to portugal i it, but again it would, the people who are on that flight love that <laughs> just imagine someone would like their kids going back to portugal for like the first time because of the <laughs> lockdown and they have oh to honey this flight plane. opened up <laughs> honey this random flight opened up we should go on it <laughs> yeah i mean it's only like two two and a half hour flight but still i i I agree with Frank. Like if you're caught up in the sentiment, you're with a group of people and you just get involved and you f- kind of feed off each other, I guess it would maybe be fun. But yeah, I can't imagine that. It would be my idea of hell anyway, being trapped in a tin can. Oh, it's okay when Sam groups. says it. When Sam says it, it's fine. Oh, no, when no. I say it, it's really negative. But when Sam says it, when Sam says it, it's okay. <laughs> there's a way, there's Sam, a that's, that's a very sensible thing you've just said. Thank Sam. you. Yeah, yeah, good, Thank good you, job, Frank. Sam. Very mature in, point of view. It's in no way negative or attacking the average football fan. I think that was well put. A good point well made. Now, just my version of hell. Speaking of the European finals, I guess it's worth one of the participants, not in the Champions League, but in the Europa League this week, Manchester United, received significant backlash over their decision to rest players in their match on Tuesday against Leicester. Uh, they then have also fielded a somewhat weakened team in this evening's match against Liverpool. And they obviously lost to, Le- they are, they lost to Leicester. They are on course to lose to Liverpool as things... The, the match will finish as we discuss this, but they're currently 3-2 down. But a number of people have... A, Liverpool fans got very upset because Leicester winning effectively ended Liverpool's hopes of making the Champions League. So they, Liverpool felt as if sort of Manchester United had compromised the integrity of the Premier League and this idea that you would always have to field your best team. And then even some pundits and sort of talking heads have decided to weigh in also saying that they should potentially Manchester United should be punished and that teams should be required to field their strongest teams for all matches. Yeah. So the the actual rule at the moment is that you can field any side based on your initial 25-man squad. So you can have any combination of players from your initial squad because I remember this being a thing like a decade ago uh, with, I think it was Wolves, like McCarthy got fined 
because of a poor squad that he, well, a weakened squad, not poor, uh, for a weakened squad. And I remember Wenger coming out and moaning about it probably for the same was, reasons. Probably was also poor, but... Yeah, poor weakened. Yeah, true. Let's be honest. Oh, it was a poor. It was a poor squad that was then weakened. That was then weakened. So it was really, really poor. Um, and I remember them getting fined for that. But then they decided to overhaul that because the only person who really moaned about it, I think, was Wenger because it affected their title charge against Manu or something like that. But most people were like, "Look, the manager picks the squad." that is best place for the season and for the games that they have up and coming for fitness and all that kind of thing. And you just have to trust that that happens. I personally think it's three games in five days is pretty Should criminal. Just, just I'll intervene just to say that Liverpool have just gone four two up. So we can now work safely under the assumption that Manchester United have lost Spoiler both, alert. both of the matches. Yeah. If you, if, if you're out there you've recorded a match of the day and you were waiting to watch the highlights several days later, I apologize for ruining the ending for you. <laughs> They were going to listen to us, then watch the game. I can't believe it just ruined it in that very niche moment for about yeah, I'm sorry. two people, maybe. Honestly, if there are two people yeah, who I... fall into that category, then that's amazing. That's a huge compliment <laughs> to us. <laughs> but yeah, I don't personally. I don't get it. I I think that you managers should put out the side that makes sense at the time for the games they have, the competitions they have up and coming, the fitness they have, etc. I think it's really dumb when people question it. Like people should be questioning why the Premier League have got to a okay, the the, the protest made this one a little bit strange, but three games in five days is really punishing. Right? And everyone's it, Yeah, but that's kind of their own doing. I'm not sympathetic for Manchester United in that respect because A, it was their decision to get involved in the Super League that led to the protests, and then B, it was their inability to stop. 50 people from running onto their pitch ahead of a match that meant that they had to postpone a previous uh, match. So it's kind of their own fault in this, this time around. It's those, it's those bloody fans again, yeah. isn't it, Eddie? I know they have so, so few brain cells, so many of them with so few brain cells. This is the real issue. I don't have any problem. I mean, this is not just a Premier League issue. I mean, this is obviously a sports issue in general and there's so many other ways it, it's just so annoying because if it were reverse and Liverpool needed to win a match and let's say they were playing a lower team and that team was already out of any you know relegation contention, anything like that, and they decide to play their young players because it's the end of the season, they want some of their young talent to get a chance on the field. And it benefits Liverpool. They don't complain. They don't say, hey, we want to win these three points fair and square. Put out your best squad. No, it's only when it doesn't benefit a team that that team complains. So I think that's one part that's always annoying because that happens the other way and you never see the team complain that they didn't rightfully win the match. The other thing that bothers me is if that's the case, then they should complain anytime a team does it because you look at, if you focus in again on the Premier League, like you have a team like City who during the year when they have their tough parts of their schedule weren't playing their 100% squad. You know, they were playing... 80%, 90% of their squad. I, I don't even know what City... in and out. But I don't even know what City's best... Take City for True, example. True, but you... But, no, but legitimately... But you know what the, I mean, though. But no, no, right? no, but this touches on another issue. So, for example, I remember after City lost the FA Cup semifinal, some people questioned Pep Guardiola's, not in terms of saying that he... that he kind of... 
the FA Cup deserved more attention, sort of a stronger squad from him, but just questioned whether or not he got his selection right. And part of that was, well, why is Raheem Sterling playing when he's not kind of now in the first 11? How do you, when you're a team like City in that instance, how do you weigh up? What's their, so Raheem Sterling is not in the best 11 anymore. So therefore, anytime Raheem Sterling starts a match, it is a weakened City squad. Like, that's the other thing. Yeah. That's the topic That's that right. makes it really complicated when you do have big squads with lots of good players. Yeah. But I mean, te- teams do rest players in the middle of the year too and probably you know lose a few points here and there because they're trying to rest the squad for bigger matches and it kind of catches them bad. Like, And you don't hear the complaining then. It's just now when it's the very end of the match. And you know what? The teams that are complaining should have done better, so this wouldn't have mattered. That's what it always comes back to, especially like in the NFL, you know, when you hear teams complain, you know, you shouldn't have lost those first four games and you wouldn't have been in this situation, you know, so. (laughs) No, I mean, you're right. Towards the end of the season, the implications are tangible, and so people react much more because if you're two points off the Champions League, it's hard to judge those two points in September, but it's really easy to judge them in May. So people are obviously in the same in the NFL. It's hard to judge your week three loss. But it's really easy to see when you didn't make the playoffs because the Patriots rested everyone in week 17. And so you got knocked out by in a kind of unexpected win for another team. So you're right there. It's been a big issue in the NBA. Greg Popovich was kind of the proponent of the concept of resting players in the NBA on a consistent basis. He was obviously in charge of a pretty aging Spurs squad and consistently rested their players. <laughs> well, I mean, it's true, right? They, they, with yeah. Tim Duncan and Ginobili and uh, Tony Parker, like they were all coming towards the end of their careers, and he would c- consistently sit them for big games. And in the NBA, part of the backlash wasn't just other teams being upset that kind of wins were being handed to teams. It was the Actually, it was the networks that were putting San Antonio Spurs game in prime time expecting this to like billing it as Tim Duncan versus LeBron James. And then it's like, well, Tim Duncan's not playing. And so it's them yeah. who actually got a little bit upset that they felt like they were paying all of this money to put sort of the superstars on their shows. And then the superstars weren't turning up and I can get it a little bit, but again, to me, ultimately your job as a coach or a manager is the, the results over the course of a season. And so yeah. if you decide that resting players is going to help you to achieve those long-term goals, then it's fine. Now, ultimately, you may have a price to pay if you rest players and then there's no benefit from it. Like if Manchester United now go on an incredible losing streak, if they don't win another game this season, some people might go back and say, <laughs> oh, well, you know, when you messed up with the you kind of rotated players and players kind of got out of form and it would have been better off playing all of them and keeping them in you know the rhythm of the team going and you started toying around with it and then you never recovered there's a possibility that that happens yeah say if they lose like the europa league final and everyone goes back to the fact that they had like three or four losses in a row in the premier league it's suddenly going to reflect badly because they'll say well you're in good form with this core group of players you turn them around for reasons of resting right at the end of the season and you suffered for it yeah it's also interesting too right so suddenly like paul pogba who early on in the season no one thought manchester united should be playing now all of a sudden if paul pogba is <laughs> not playing it's an issue you know like so much of it is 
you know, opinions would change over the course of the season. And again, with City, we can point out like Sterling at the beginning of the season, Sterling not playing for City would have been them fielding a weak inside. Now Sterling playing is them not, you know, someone, Riyad Mahrez, who was a kind of peripheral figure at the beginning of the season. Now he's integral to everything that they do. It's those aspects that make it just so hard to, how on earth could you punish? Now in the NBA, they do have rules on you're not supposed to rest one more than one player for a game unless you can give a valid reason for them not playing and you can be fined a hundred thousand dollars per infringement now the thing is that your reasons for arguing as to why a player should be rested can include previous injury history fatigue all of these things that while the teams themselves so you can always fit in yeah, I mean, those teams will have data yeah. that they might be able to prove to, you know, and all those things that they monitor when they know that there's a kind of wear and tear threshold where they, a player needs to sit. But fundamentally, if you've torn your hamstring twice over the course of your career, they can say, well, well we don't want to play him today because we're worried that it might lead to a hamstring injury. It's kind of unprovable. Yeah. It makes it's another part of it. Like, I don't know how you punish teams. Has anyone actually yeah. been fined for that before? Has anyone um, been caught on that? So I think one team, I believe one team was fined and then they subsequently had the fine overturned. This is my feeling on it, but I feel like Popovich and the Spurs were fined when it was originally an issue. And he just kind of, I think he didn't care. I mean, the thing about Greg Popovich is you can fine him, but if he thinks it's the right thing to do, he'll just keep doing it and taking the fine. Like, you know, which I think further proves the point that he wasn't doing it out of some kind of, for some sort of stupid reason. He was doing it because he thought it was the best way for his team to potentially win an NBA championship. Yeah. And I mean, going back to like, you know, the young talent aspect of it too. If you're a team that your position is set, you know, you can't move up or down regardless of what sport you're in or where you're at, you know, I think it's so valuable sometimes for teams to be able to put their young player in those last few games of the year, get them some reps at the professional level, whether it's in football, like if you have a quarterback who, you know, was your first round pick and now you're out of the playoffs and you can't do anything to give him those last two games, you know, he's not going to be great. He's not going to be as good as the starter, but the hope is he gets this practice. He gets some real life reps and then he gets better. So in, in that regard, you could argue that they're making their team better for the future even. So I, there's so many instances where I think it's so overplayed and it's always the team that's obviously yeah. on the losing end, looking up that wants the help and isn't going to get it and is going to complain that they're not getting it. So but also, I just think that commentators sometimes take the controversial point to draw up kind of attention because these same commentators, when say you get like an easy, who are the these commentators, Sam, huh? Yeah. What do you mean I'm by these commentators? Speak, so <laughs> Trevor Sinclair was one that was brought up on talk sport, right? They wouldn't like Trevor Sinclair wouldn't have been arguing man city, get an easy draw in the champions league. They win the first four games. They've already qualified. He wouldn't be arguing that the final two games of that they would need, he would actually be arguing for them resting players because it makes sense because they've already qualified, etc. So he's okay with resting players semi-disrespectfully kind of when it's tactically like that, but he's not okay when you're resting players because of like a Europa League final or something like that. It just seems extremely subjective. To me, it's almost worse 
like in a Champions League, a final group game of the Champions League, you've already qualified you and you throw out your reserves or the reserves within your squad, obviously. To me, that's almost worse than at the back end of a season. Yeah. Because it's disrespectful. I don't think it's disrespectful, but, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a group stage where the number of matches and the points up for grabs and the implications of one rested match being huge, right? Exponentially more impact on the outcome than over the course of a 38 match season. So I think you're right there. If you're in a second leg, if you, if you win the first leg of the champions league knockout five nil, and then if you rest players for the second leg, is that disrespectful to the integrity of the champions league? Like, Spurs rested players, right, for their second leg in the Europa League, and then they lost. Or did they disrespect? <laughs> yeah, did they disrespect the competition by not playing their full strength team in that match? In hindsight, Barcelona maybe should have rested players against Liverpool when they lost four 0 because their full strength team didn't do it. <laughs> sure. So. Yeah. No. Exactly. But it's it's kind of a fair point. It's like, what do you have to do? To do you have to like at the start of a season and across any you know NFL, NBA, whatever it is, do you have to like declare? this is my top team. And then if you deviate from it. No, I mean, basically what they want, I suppose, is to remove this, like a coach or a manager picking a team. And instead it should be like a Twitter poll. And whoever the like best 11, the general public select, that starts. So you better hope that the Russian bots don't get onto you and just decide that, you know, Paul Pogba is going to play in goal. But, but like as long as... Like, do we then just accept the other's results? I don't know. But also the other thing too, which is a little bit what Frank touched on with developing young players towards the back end of these seasons, sometimes young players will have these huge moments and they might, I mean, in a Premier League standard, the one that sticks out the most, I guess, is Federico Makeda when he scored the winning goal against Aston Villa, which as it turned out, basically won United the title that season, if I can remember that correctly. Now, he didn't play because they were resting players. A, they thought he was a hot prospect, and B, I think they had some injuries that brought him into the squad. But, you know, in another universe, you'd have people been saying, why is Makeda in the squad? He shouldn't be there. And then he produces this moment of magic that wins United a game late on and lead, kind of helps them to win a league. Should they remove that? Because you should kind of, after the moment, say he shouldn't have been there anyway, and instead it should have been, you know, whoever Cristiano Ronaldo should have been there in that moment. And Cristiano Ronaldo wouldn't have scored. So we're going to take the three points off you because the player you selected doesn't meet the standards of the Premier League. It's a good thing Makeda kept going with that talent as well. <laughs> really, really kind of blossomed into a long-term talent. But you're right. You're right about his prospects. Like uh, when Everton, what was he, when he was 16, Wayne Rooney scored that goal against Arsenal or 17 years old. 16, what, should yeah. they have played Duncan Ferguson because he's the better player at the time? I think they should Steve. still be playing Duncan Ferguson, in fairness. <laughs> I'm all in favor he of would be Everton fantastic. being required to play Duncan Ferguson in all of their matches until he dies. Oh, wow. I mean, that's a commitment, right? And it's just going to get worse and worse as we go through. That's really unfortunate for Ancelotti if that, that was a rule put in. But yeah, like... It's a fair point, really. If people say you've got to play your best 11 at every point in the season, youth prospects basically don't get a look in unless they're declared for like a 10-game run. Tactically and logistically, it makes sense for the club and their development. Unless they're like a wonder kid on a football manager. You know what I mean? Like they'd have to have a lot of hype surrounding them. So if you have this, 
if you have this person in, you know, even if you're a big club, there's going to be players within that who maybe don't have the same, get the same amount of attention as some of the other prospects, but they can't start. But if someone's really highly touted as a 16, 17 year old, well, they can play. But if you have another one, if, if you're Pep Guardiola and you decide, you know, like he made the decision fundamentally, if you look at it, decided that if he, in the his assessment of young players at City, he's decided that Phil Foden has been the best of the bunch at, and in the process has missed out on Sancho by obviously not giving Sancho the same amount of attention and treatment that Foden's got. So, but I'd argue that Sancho at the time was maybe more highly regarded. So if we were kind of doing some external, yeah, if we were doing something doing like external assessment of what Guardiola should be doing, it's like, well, now ship out Foden and keep Sancho. Yeah. The whole thing doesn't hold up for me with this. Like you let managers pick the team that makes sense in the moment and in the time they're playing them. This whole thing doesn't make sense. Otherwise, you're going to go down these roads, in my opinion, where it's like, okay, let's look at what Sports Interactive Scouts did for Football Manager and let's see what the fans say on Twitter in terms of who our best 11 is or what what we should do in this game. You're just... It's just going down a stupid road. Think of the high-profile players we kind of would have been denied. Like Tom Brady would have never had an NFL career if we were relying on... Well, he went in for injury. He did, but then he kept his job even when Bledsoe came back. So like... And I know he'd won games through in in the sort of interim period, but still fundamentally... I mean, Tom Brady even being in a position to come in through injury based on his draft selection and his college quarterback career... If, if you were trying to do like, what's your strongest team, it wouldn't have involved Tom Brady as even your backup. So like, yeah, you know, you have these people, you have to allow for coaches and managers to be able to assess their squad and decide what's best for them. Sometimes they get it wrong, but that's why they get fired. <laughs> I mean, it's, a, it's an industry in which in any sport, the turnover of coaches and managers is, you know, on a, on a level that most people will not experience in their areas of work like if i was going into work and on a regular basis you know if i was like well what do you think that how long do you think the new uh like product manager is gonna last it's like i don't know average of six months <laughs> like <laughs> depending on performance really yeah <laughs> That's you know like three or four bad weeks in a row he could be gone yeah. And also the unpredictability of it, like Tranmere down in League One or League Two, they made the playoffs. It was a really good seasonal performance. They still sacked him <laughs> like yeah. before the playoffs started. It's like, wow. So even performance related stuff, nah, just don't like you. You're gone. Yeah. So we we kind of focused in on the Premier League, but we did give at least a little mention to Ronaldo and Tom Brady. And that brings me to what I wanted to discuss today, which is Yesterday, Forbes released the world's 10 highest paid athletes of 2021. Well, I guess 2020 through to 2021. Have you guys seen the list? I have not. I have wow. not either. Oh, perfect. This is great. I was really hoping I didn't say anything because I love it always <laughs> pops up on my Instagram. Loves so I did not say anything. <laughs> All right. Now. Oh, it's not even a top five. It's a top 10, even better. So this is all money earned throughout 2020. So, so including endorsements, everything. endorsements, everything, signing bonuses, everything. You want to start firing away? 
Okay. So I, I'll, I'll just well, I'll just give you some 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 random stats. So one athlete over forty years old made the top ten list, and two athletes under thirty years old made the top ten list. Okay. okay. Two so, athletes in. I'll just give one more. Two athletes in non-major sports. Made Any the more top clues? 10 list. Keep them coming. Keep no, 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 no. <laughs> that's enough clues. Because at a certain um, point, the clues just kind of confuse me. Right, Sam. Start us off. Name someone in the top ten. Oh, I'll start. Okay, Ronaldo. Cristiano Ronaldo is number three in 2020, earning a hundred and twenty million dollars. 70 million from on field and 50 million off field from endorsements. Okay. I'm going to go based on the, you mentioned signing bonuses. So I am going to go with Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes is not on the list. Oh, damn it. Oh, I <laughs> Wow. Eddie, you had 10 and you missed. <laughs> Nine, technically, oh. but yeah. Well, I'm going to go Lionel Messi then. <laughs> Lionel Messi has eclipsed Cristiano Ronaldo this year, making $130 million to put him number two on this year's list. $97 million on field and only $30 million off field, which is actually some of the lowest out of all the athletes here. Yeah, but net after taxes is 100%, so he's... Yeah, 150%. All of that money is his. Yeah, he actually gets, he gets a tax rebate, but... Um, right. I got a number of names in mind now. So that's definitely showing you Messi is making less with his lifetime Adidas versus Ronaldo's lifetime. I'm going to go for the player who topped the 2020 ranking. Now, my only fear is didn't play a lot this year. And in a sport that was pretty majorly impacted by the pandemic, but if he's dropped from one to outside the top 10, it's been a tough year. I'm going to say Roger Federer. Roger Federer is number seven on the list. Ooh, this is the so most astonishing. He is number seven at 90 million. He made $0.03 million on the tennis court and made $87.97 million off the tennis court. With uh, his brands like Rolex, uh, what is it? How do you say that one? Uniqlo? Uniqlo, yeah. Yeah, Uniqlo. Yeah, Uniqlo. Uniqlo. And they said that he probably will be even higher next year because he has a huge stake in the Swiss Swiss athletic company On, which is going to uh, have an IPO this year. So So one to keep in mind for when we do this. One to keep in mind. 12 months from now. Okay. (laughs) All right, Sam, you're two one up and you're up next. LeBron James. LeBron James is number five on the list. He is second American, coming in at 96.5 million. Second. 65 million of which are off the court. He did switch to Pepsi, if you guys didn't know, after being a longtime partner with Coca Cola. Second That's American. Who who would do that? Who's That's the American? Who would switch from Coke to Pepsi? Oh, well, it's a money like a grab. Louis... It's just a money grab. Yeah. I don't care, Eddie. At some time, you got to make a stand. Oh, no, I agree <laughs> with you. You've got to make a stand. Even if it's double the endorsement, you are still got to go to Pepsi. Well, especially given how much money he has. Like, you have yeah. to put it in that context, right? Like, 
someone came to me and wanted to try and get me to endorse Pepsi, I'd probably do it, right? But if you made me a billionaire, it would depend on the amount of money we're talking about. So you think Pepsi are coming to you and saying like $40? (laughs) I'll do it if you buy me $40 worth of Coke. And I'm not talking about the liquid. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Second American. So we've had second, third. You said he was fifth. We haven't had number one yet. And we haven't haven't had number one. And you haven't had number four yet. And one of those is American. Yes. And then six, eight, nine, and ten are all still on the board. Who is the American in the top five? This, see, this is why I don't like the clues, because then they make me fixate on who it could <laughs> potentially be, and that leads me away from the obvious uh, like selections. It's kind of why I like doing it to you, though, too. I know yeah. it messes with you. The top two. <laughs> who could be American? Just to put pressure on you, I've got my next one. So I'm locked oh, in. Good. Not sure if it's correct, but I got it. Oh, I can think of names, too. But... <laughs> okay, I'm gonna guess. Wow, okay, <laughs> what a dick! <laughs> I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna guess that Tom Brady is the over forty on the list. Tom Brady is the over forty on the list. Forty-one million on the field, thirty-one million off the field. And keep in mind, he just launched his NFT platform and a film production company. So we might be seeing him on the list in the future. Of how I'm endorsing these players. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know who Sam is guessing that. By the way, I know who Sam is guessing next. Well, I would say say it, but if that... <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not that stupid. <laughs> yeah, I'll go with that one. <laughs> I, I'll message. Give me a second. I'll message Frank separately and tell him who you're about to pick. Go, Lewis Hamilton. Nailed it. Wow. (laughs) Eddie predicted Sam would pick Lewis Hamilton. And Lewis Hamilton is number eight on the list, earning $82 million, $70 million on the the field, but on the track and $12 million off the field. Could we argue, uh, and we obviously don't know the full 10 here, but if you had to pick someone's life in terms of being able to earn that level of money and the relative anonymity that I think Lewis Hamilton Hamilton could enjoy, enjoy in a lot of places in the world, he's got the best deal. I would say on this list, he is the least recognizable person by five times, <laughs> at least. Well, you have to balance it. So like Tom Brady, for example, is incredibly famous in the US. I don't think Tom Brady is getting that noticed outside of the US. He, he, yeah, he might be a little bit because he does do a lot of endorsements and he is a handsome guy. So you see him a lot on TV, maybe. Well, the handsome aspect, not that Lewis Hamilton is an unattractive man, but the ham, the <laughs> handsomeness of Tom Brady is likely to get him rec- recognized because you'd be like, oh, look, that guy's really handsome. And then you might go through that he must be famous. <laughs> and then you work out that it's who's Tom got, Brady. Who's got a more recognizable face? Tom Brady being handsome or Peyton Manning being Peyton Manning? Well, the forehead is like a beacon. You would see, 
you would see it's like a lighthouse yeah, yeah it's just letting you know that <laughs> just peyton, slowly spinning peyton has <laughs> entered the room peyton walks down the street slowly spinning in 360 so it's so his forehead light lighthouse okay eddie you are up so i'm gonna say that the american ranking in the top five is tiger woods it is not tiger woods shit he is no longer in the top 10. I don't know if he was last year either. I should have factored in his speeding tickets. Probably knocked him down by a few million. <laughs> he ha- he's got a huge deductible on his car insurance. <laughs> yeah. Hope he, he went to Geico. There. <laughs> now that would be a great advertising campaign. Just Tiger Woods standing next to like his flipped car, and he just I just save I just save five percent on my car insurance. I'm kind of stuck now, but you are one ahead anyway. So, uh, yep, still looking for one, four, six, and ten. One is elusive. All right, I'm gonna stay in football, and I'm gonna stay with. I'm gonna go with Neymar because he does a lot of endorsement stuff, but I've seen him recently on like a load of like poker stuff as well. So just from the fact that I have seen him plastered everywhere. For yeah, he's on um, party poker or whatever. Yeah, and he's... Neymar is number six oh, got it. on the list. And actually he's made most of his money on the field, uh, although he did exit Nike's Jordan brand and again became the ambassador for Puma, which I don't know. Again, at what cost? Who goes from Nike Jordans to Puma? Neymar. <laughs> yeah. He's also an avid video gamer, uh, and he has an in-game skin for Fortnite. He does, yeah. <sighs> I think and I've... he's one of the under 30s as well. I've, I've lost this, I think. At 29. <sighs> yeah, this is tricky. You're missing the under 30. Can I ask a question? <laughs> Are these all men? These are all men. Okay. Um, I'm missing an under 30. I'm missing number one. And I'm missing an American in the top five. The American really, really, really bothers me. And I have a few people in there mind are, as to who they could be. And you guys are missing number 10 as well. And, and number 10 is also an American. I feel like number 10 could be anyone though at those kind of like down the line who we just got neymar right at number nine neymar was number six. Oh, who was number nine number nine is tom brady how much did he make tom brady made 76 million i'm gonna hate it I got to do it though. Mike Trout. Mike Trout is not on the top Shit. 10. Baseball is dead. <laughs> you know what? I, I'm just going to say someone like Nadal. It sounds so weird because he probably wasn't in the top 10 and tennis with Federer, but terrible he's hung guess. on within Dawson's. I don't know. I, N- I've, Nadal is not in the top 10. I am so exhausting at the moment. <sighs> Gotta get creative in the sports. The American, I'm going to assume the American is playing in the NBA, but one of the Americans is in the NBA. But I'm not going to 
fight on that right now. Because <laughs> I'm torn as to who it could be. I'm going to go Conor McGregor. Conor McGregor is number one. Wow. No Forbes way. highest paid athletes making $180 million due mostly to his sale of whiskey brand proper number 12. Yeah. Also has an endorsements that include DraftKings and the video game Dystopia Contest of Heroes and his lifestyle brand Roots of Fight. Did he even fight in 2020? He made 22 million fighting and he made 158 million in off the out of the octagon money. All right. 180 total for Conor McGregor. Almost one fifth of a billion dollars in one year. Um, all right, I'm going to stick for punching an old guy in the face for not drinking his whiskey. He hasn't had a fight, but I'm going to go with Mayweather for that reason. Just no I don't way. Know that kind of category. No way. Of he hasn't had a fight. Fighters. I, I just, Mayweather, Mayweather but he just has so much money. <laughs> like, What's he endorsing? Like, uh, like is he working with law firms that help you after when you've got when your wife is <laughs> when you're like a, got domestic abuse charges? Like I said, I am just saying he has got money. That's the only reason he's there. Mayweather did not sell a whiskey brand and is not in All the right. top ten. So I'm only behind by one you, now. So I can. You're missing number four and number ten. Okay, so the four is an NBA player. So it's a question of naming. I mean, I'm, I, I'm just for the record, I didn't say anything of that. Well, you, you said the American. I'm not denying or I said <laughs> there's two Americans And left one of them plays in the 10. NBA. Yes. Yeah, okay. So either four or ten. So I'm going to have to say Steph Curry. Steph Curry, the Splash Brother, is not on oh the top God. ten Forbes highest earning athletes. So it's two shells. I am running. Eddie, you've got enough guesses here. We could go on for about seven hours at the moment. I'm going to have to <laughs> sit here and think, cut the podcast. I'll come back to you in a bit. <laughs> um, I'm going to pass. I'm going to pass. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to, you know what? I'm going to pass whilst I sit here and contemplate. Okay, I'm going to guess Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant oh, is number 10 on oh. Forbes Richest Athletes. 75 million. Do you want to know why he is on it? Because he's well paid. Because he considers himself a media mogul with his boardroom and firm 35 Ventures. He also purchased a stake in MLS's Philadelphia Union. And he cashed in last year when Uber bought Postmates, investing 1 million in the startup in 2016. He does a lot like investing in startups. That was actually going to be my hint. Not yeah, which was popular anyway for all of the Golden State Warriors players is part of the reason why I find them really annoying because they now think of themselves as these like genius businessmen just because they happen to be located in and around Silicon Valley and have a lot of disposable income and we're able to throw it at a bunch of startups yeah. and it takes absolutely no intelligence to hit hit the jackpot once or twice. They're, um, I think they feel like people bring them on board. When you hear them interviewed, I feel like people bring them on board for actual business advice. But in reality, it's just because, I mean, look, if I founded a company, it would be awesome to have Cristiano Ronaldo as an investor in my company so that like once or twice a year, 
I get to go to dinner with Cristiano Ronaldo. Like that's that to me, I'll give him a 20% stake in all of my future ideas just for that experience. Right. And that then, but Eddie, the only downside is you have to, you have to watch him eat without his shirt off. And he takes four Instagram pictures throughout the dinner of him just eating with no shirt. on. The upside is that as part of the agreement, I get to eat off of his shirtless body. Like it's like, it's to be like the sushi, <laughs> you know, like when they had the sushi models come out <laughs> the naked sushi. Yeah. And, and as part of, as part of the, the kind of equity agreement that we give him, he has to come to like the, the company Christmas party and just be wheeled out with sushi covering his, his, his naked body. That was on an episode of below deck on the, on the yacht. They requested that and they brought someone in off of, I think they were in like Croatia, off the mainlands. They brought them on to serve sushi on their naked body. Is there anything more of like I'm rich and want to degrade people than making your yacht go out and get someone to sit nude while you put sushi and eat it off of them on a yacht? Like, come on. I also so ridiculous. I don't get the. I do not get that. Like. It's so gross. Like you're ruining sushi and you're ruining the experience of interacting with a naked body. Like you've, you've managed to take two enjoyable things and make both of them worse. Like, do they have to, once you've finished eating, do they have to stay as a table or are they then free to do whatever they want? Or are they there being a table? It looked like they just sat there until they were done. And then the people, the guests got up from the table and then the naked sushi model then ah, got up, slithered her way off. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't get it. I really don't. It's it's just a power play. That's all it is. Yeah, so I, I, it feels like just such a douchey power move. I, I would walk out in either role. Really? You- <laughs> Actually, Wait, if you walked out, would you get up and let all the sushi fall <laughs> over you? No, you know what I would do? I'd just start eating it myself. Yeah, I'm so done with this. I would just start picking out. I would just be like, oh, that piece looks pretty good. And do you know what? I'll eat sushi off my own body. Like, that's fine. <laughs> just like he sat there and he just starts taking his clothes off to eat sushi. You know what? Maybe I'll reserve judgment before I am too critical of people for this. Next time I order sushi... I will put it on myself naked and start eating it, and I will see if it somehow adds to the flavor. You should get it delivered, Eddie, and then answer the door in the nude and be like, okay, now can you set this up on me, please? (laughs) No, just say to them, like, doors open, and they just walk into you planked. Just candle lit. All the other lights out. Wait, wait, wait. Just set it up. Wait, Sam, Sam, they're not in a plank. No, they're I don't mean like the. There. I just mean like laying across. I don't mean they're in like a position where they're stressing. <laughs> it's like how long can Frank hold this plank while we eat our sushi? <laughs> uh, um. So who was the final person anyway? No, 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 no. Sam, oh, you don't wow. get to dodge. You don't get to pass. Maybe your pass is eliminated. I want one or two guesses still because. Frank mentioned okay. signing number bonus. four. Frank mentioned signing bonuses. We know this is an American. This has to be the signing bonus person because we've had no signing bonus. And with my other hint, they are under 30. Yeah. So it's got to be an NFL player. It's not Mahomes. So it's an NFL player who signed a big contract this year and he's under 30. So it's a quarterback under 30 signed a big deal. 
I've got one idea of who it is, and, but if one. it is if it is them, it's going to be really upsetting for me. But I thought Sam's got next pick. So because didn't so didn't Dak Prescott sign a massive? See, I'm annoyed because I've walked you through this logic, and now you've taken it. No, because I thought that was last year, so I didn't know if it counts. Like, I don't know how the years work with it. No, so he signed I his deal this year. Count. Oh, I thought he signed a deal before he went off. No, it was, at, it, was, it was after he, his injury. Uh, then my pick, Frank, is going to be Dak Prescott. Dak Prescott is number four That's on the Forbes highest earning upsetting. athletes of the year. Very, very upset. $107.5 million with a $66 million signing bonus. Wow. Only $10 million in endorsements, probably because they include Sleep Number, 7-Eleven, and DirecTV. <laughs> Those are in endorsements, yeah. not investments. What, oh, endorsements. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't invest in 7-Eleven. Yeah, endorsements. Oh, yeah. Turns out Dak Prescott, he was also the founder of 7-Eleven. You didn't know that about him? pretty impressive for under 30. <laughs> okay, who out of One athlete is the brand ambassador for Puma. He is the brand ambassador for <laughs> Sleep <11. laughs> Number. Out of these people, who would you most want to be? If you could do a life swap, whose life are you taking? But life now, so you don't get to be Tom Brady because you want to live through the Patriots dynasty like you're Tom Brady 43 or whatever he is today. Tampa Bay. Do I have to do I have to like be them as well? No, you can have your own personality. I you don't have to. Okay. Oh, okay. I'd probably go Lewis Hamilton just because like he is going to break almost every record there is within F1. If he keeps going, he's going to be continuing on. And the best nobody time. cares. And certainly he's a massive kind of rights advocate with the kind of Black Lives Matter stuff as well. Um, I'd probably go with Lewis Hamilton. I might go over. I mean, I think I would go Ronaldo. Just live in the dream. So back end of his, you, you want to be retired Ronaldo. That's basically. you going to say retired. <laughs> yeah, because you know what? Like, no, no. how amazing no, is, is retired no, 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 Ronaldo's no, 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 no. life going to be? No, 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 we got to just latch on. Sam, a second ago, was trying to make himself sound all woke and good by saying, I really want to be Lewis Hamilton because he's such a, so you know, he's so involved in, this, in, in social activism. And then, like, 15 seconds later, he's dropping the R word. This is it shows you retract your Lewis Hamilton statements. You have no interest in being part of the Black Lives Matter movement. Did you see the news about Ronaldo? That apparently his mum is trying to convince him to come back to Portugal and play for Sporting. Um, I mean, I don't think she's going to pay the absurd salary. (laughs) But yeah, apparently she probably could. Probably has more. She probably has more money than Sporting. I think I'd pick Lewis Hamilton because of the fact, the anonymity. Like, to me, that's the the big draw. That, like, I genuinely think Lewis Hamilton could go almost anywhere and not get noticed. Like, I know exactly what Lewis Hamilton looks like, but I don't think I would recognize Lewis Hamilton in a bar. He's, like, an average height man. Like, obviously in good shape, but, like, there's nothing... Like, if you're an NBA player, for example, like, if you're LeBron James... People are going to notice you just because you're huge. Like you are going to, it's going to be impossible for you to ever be like a normal person because just by being that tall, people are going to be like, oh my God, that guy's huge. You should play in the NBA. And you'd be like, oh, I do. But, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but 
Whereas like Hamilton, I think you could just be a normal person and then you can be the famous Lewis Hamilton whenever you want to be. Like you can have the benefits of being famous, but you can also have the advantages of just, I'm just going to go to the US and absolutely no one knows who I am. All right. I got another follow up then. Who would you most want to be your friend? Like you're a significantly close friend. You're like number two in the entourage. Oh, Messi. He would help with my tax. And <laughs> like he's going <laughs> to. Turbo tax? No, Sam, you don't need turbo tax. I've got a guy. <laughs> got my, my dad's dad. really good. Yeah. He's really, really good. Um, <laughs> the smart answer to that question is LeBron James. Because like all of his childhood friends have become incredibly powerful people fundamentally through just being in his inner circle. So like if you could, he's been the biggest kingmaker of people in and around him. But. But is he going to be the most fun? No. I think. What about Conor McGregor? (laughs) No, he'd be annoying. He'd be so fucking annoying and you couldn't knock him out. That would be the issue, right? Like you could, you couldn't, you couldn't threaten him when he got really annoying because you just, he just had the shit kicked out of you. I'd be terrorized. Yeah, it'd be it'd be like living on uppers. You're like every night going out with him. Like it'd be fun once in a while. You know, it'd be fun to be around the guy who's just shit talking everyone, and you're sitting behind laughing. But when it's the sixth night in a row, and you're just like, yeah. dude, come on, give it a rest. I just want to have a fucking pint. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I'm going to say Lewis Hamilton again because I think. <laughs> I'm not super into Formula One. Like I enjoy occasionally watching a Grand Prix. I do think being like having your best friend be the number one Formula One driver and going to like the Monaco Grand Prix and getting like this kind of star treatment as a result of being in that inner circle and the parties that you would go like that's a big party scene, right? Like so that's a lot of fun to be getting to go to all of that. So Maybe him. He also seems with, fairly normal. You're not going with Neymar then for the party? No, I don't like raping women. <laughs> I mean, good. <laughs> good thing we got that on. Which on I guess record. also scratches Ronaldo off the list. So that's two of them gone. I like paying my taxes, so that scratches Messi off. Dak, Dak might be a good person, I think, to hang out with, probably. He seems pretty normal. Yeah. But then he had to go to Cowboys. In his interviews, he seems like a pretty down-to-earth guy. He had to go to Cowboys games, though. What about Federer? <laughs> cool stadium. Uh, I bet you the suite that you get to stay see, in is Federer really nice. wouldn't have, like, the party atmosphere around it, but there would be a certain... God, he's too old. Be a certain, like... He's three... He's four. <laughs> Let's say it's like three years away from a retirement home. <laughs> but that's the thing you have to factor in. He's got a wife and children. So, yeah, you're the same with Tom Brady, right? Like you're being his friend. You're just going into his house to eat avocados. Like, that's, that's... yeah, I'm, I'm not on board. You for know the what? Tom the more Brady you friendship. whittle it down, the more you've got to realize that probably Lewis Hamilton's the safe bet for a friend as well with the glamorous. He seems like a little bit of a prick. Like, he seems pretty nice, but he does seem a little bit like a prick. So it might be a little bit tough, but. Lewis Hamilton, if you are looking to get on the Big Chill podcast, that is Eddie's opinion only and not the opinion of the Big Chill. Hey, I've he said a little bit. I've picked him for both scenarios. So 
he can be in no doubt that I fundamentally, I want to be him and I want to be friends with him and I want to be in him. <laughs> I want to eat sushi on him. <laughs> oh, yes. And more to the point, Lewis, if you, Damn if you want to eat sushi off me, I'll do it. Sam, you, you, you took the last question I had. Which one would you most want to eat sushi off of? Well, in that case, I take LeBron. Biggest surface sushi. area. <laughs> yeah. That's just... No, Durant's taller, isn't he? But LeBron's just... Durant's skinny. LeBron, that's like... That's enough sushi to last you for a week. And he's got to sit there the whole time. No, you actually wrap him up to go. You wrap up the whole body and put it in like a freezer. Yeah. But you get also one of those, like, you get him wrapped into a swan. (laughs) Oh, my God. Just breaking bones. Just contorting him. So I guess we've run through the highest paid players and we've done some guessing. Maybe we can switch from some guessing to some drafting. It is the third installment of our... We need a, probably a catchier title for this bit, considering we've got another 23 to go. We could probably try and think of something better, but drafting the best sports teams beginning with the letter blank, and this time it is the letter C. Yeah. C is for cow. Thank you, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I could have said something else there. That would have really earned us the explicit rating. <laughs> so... Let us see. So the drafting order from what I remember is that Eddie is on the block first, followed by Frank, then myself. Um, don't know if you want to explain for new listeners who haven't listened to A and B what the rules of this draft are. Well, the thing is, some of the rules, I'm not sure if they still stand. The <laughs> fundamental rules that we had were that for American sports teams, it's based on what their name, their nickname is. So the Chicago Bulls were a B, not a C. And then the rule that we were trying to apply, and in sports, I'll say that in sports where the team is predominantly known by that name. So we could apply that to other sports around the world, but it has to be a sport where you would call the team like the Bulls. You wouldn't just more often than you would say Chicago. Although it gets tricky. Now, in Europe, we kind of said for European sports that we would base it off of the city in which they're based so that Real Madrid are an M, not an R. But then I think we messed that up in the A's because didn't we draft Atletico Madrid who should have been an M but got drafted as an A. And so I think fundamentally we've accepted now that if you can make an argument, it's up to you to pitch them as being known as that letter. I think that's fair. So okay, when R comes around, I guess someone can make the argument that people say Real by itself so that's going to be on you but if the other two don't accept it it obviously hurts your draft so having said that eddie you are in the driver's seat with the first pick in the first round of the letter c draft who is your pick so my number one pick is the boston celtics Damn it. They are. <laughs> you, know, <laughs> good, you know your draft started well. <laughs> yeah. So one of the founding teams in the NBA, one of only two of the founding teams not to have moved them in the New York Knicks. Every other team, the franchise has shifted locations. So you're talking about, I think they are, 
what I would also argue is that the Boston Celtics are kind of like the iconic team within one of the US, U.S.'s biggest cities. Like when I think, I know people will maybe argue Red Sox, but fundamentally when I think Boston, I think Celtics before I think any other team. Now that's not judging their popularity within the city, but in my mind, I most associate the Celtics Ooh, with Boston. That's a tough argument. Maybe. What about the Patriots? Well, I know that they're, I mean, they're technically not in Boston, right? I know it's New England. I know, but still, you know, when you think Boston, you think Patriot fans. Yeah, maybe. But I think Boston Bruins, which is why I took the Bruins with my pick in the B draft. Well, people can go back and listen to that and see how well you did there because you and I had a disaster. But <laughs> yeah, I mean, they have the, they are tied as being the most um, successful team in the NBA. They have, they and the Lakers have both won 17 championships. Um, they've also won a championship in every decade since the including the 1950s so they've won in the 50s 60s 70s 80s 90s 2000s and 2010s obviously they haven't won in the 2020s yet but basically means they've been relevant throughout their history so sometimes when we've had this debate you've been are you going back in time to see whether or not they're relevant are you going to the future you know kind of just recency bias with the celtics it's consistent and basically projecting into the future, I think you could guarantee that over the next 50 years, they will win five or six championships at least. So they also have some of the most iconic players in the history of the league. Some, you know, obviously I think Larry Bird is, is kind of the one most people would think of. <laughs> Not to get... well, Bill Russell. Bill Russell, yeah, the most sort of successful player top five in every uh yes in like every category so yeah my picks the celtics but actually just to add more credence to my draft just give me two seconds and i got a little surprise for both of you and this is where eddie shows up naked with sushi on his body (laughs) drum roll please so i already touched on the fact that frank you and i had a little bit of a disaster in the bees now, my strategy evolved into drafting my childhood, if you remember. And uh, my parents have been going through a lot of old stuff. And I'm at my parents' house for the weekend. And a lot of Chicago Bulls stuff there. I'm not going to bring that out because that's not surprising or interesting. But every once in a while, the universe gives you this, a sign, I think, that you're doing something right. I'm not a spiritual person, but I... I think there was some kind of cosmic force at play. You're not spiritual, but you're. You can. I'm not spiritual, but I am religious. I'm not spiritual, <laughs> but I am religious. But no, the um, you know, there's a cosmic superstitious. I'm just a little stitious. Exactly. Now, if I were superstitious, how crazy would it be that something that, that turned up while my parents were going through some stuff, and this was just placed in the room waiting for me when I arrived? Is this? That is a Salt Lake Buzz baseball from the <laughs> mid-1990s. Team's since been rebranded <laughs> as the Salt Lake Bees. But this baseball has traveled through several cities, multiple continents, and it made its way back into my hands and only days after I selected the Salt Lake Buzz as one of the greatest bee teams in the world. That is a sign that I won that draft. 
Oh, really? <laughs> you know what? Now, now that you've said that, I don't know if it's the same team, but there's the Major League movie, Back to the Miners. The team name is The Buzz. Probably is. You're just adding to my... Look there at that. Go. Frank's on, Frank's part of Team Eddie this week. I'm Team Buzz. <laughs> All right, Eddie, I got to give it to you. That's a, that was, they were number one on my draft board. I was hoping they would fall to the number two pick, but they did not. There's not many holes in them. Uh, the other thing, too, I thought was pretty crazy is they made it to 10 consecutive NBA finals. So you made the argument with the Bulls that you want to have, like, the best team of, you know, of, of that era. And that is a pretty good indication that they're a good team of a certain era when they make it to 10 straight finals. Yeah, also, I mean, I knew that you would have wanted them because the other thing when I think of the Boston Celtics is racism. I think they were the last franchise to have a black player, I believe. And as as we've seen in your draft, wait, 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 wait. You're saying you're saying that weird. They're not the last team to have a black player. They were the <laughs> last. They <laughs> like took the, way... the longest period of time to have one, I believe. There we go. Um, they, yeah, they, no, there are currently still <laughs> black players in the NBA. But uh, yeah, so you drafted Alabama, then you went Boston Bruins. So it doesn't surprise me that you would have wanted to get a team associated with racism in your C draft. And I'm sure you'll you'll wow, still you, you'll still manage to pull it off. Wait. Well, now that I am up with the number 2 pick, I'm going to stay in basketball and I'm going to go with the University of Connecticut women's basketball. Oh, wow, what a pick. This is a first what a draft. Pick. Wow. Yep. This is when you think of a sport, there is no other sport, I think, that you can instantly name the team that is the dominant team from the beginning of that sport, and that is UConn. They've won 11 championships in only 40 seasons. So that means they've won 25% of all the championships that have ever been played. They won four in a row. They have every NCAA record that can be named, they own it. They have 21 final fours they've been to. They once had set the record for winning 111 straight games. That's the longest streak in men's or women's college basketball. Six undefeated seasons is crazy in basketball. To even have one, which Gonzaga did not do this year, they've had six of them. Then they've had seven one-loss seasons. So 13 years, they went with only one loss or lower. To me, like they are a cut above any other team in all of women's college basketball. The other major thing when you think college is you think the players and where they end up going and what they end up doing. UConn is known for having Rebecca Lobo, Sue Bird, Diana Taurasi and Brianna Stewart, who are all like legendary WNBA players, probably about 30 WNBA all-stars between them. In 2016, they had the first three picks in the draft, which is the first in the history of any major sport to have all three players come from the same team in the first three picks. So to me, this is the best team in any sport 
that like, soundbite I mean, there is I, an I mean incredible that, no, no, soundbite. No, no. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna have I'm just no no I'm just gonna no no that's not what I mean that's that's not what I mean I mean they're like the best team of their sport yeah, I, I, I get what so you're saying they're like, like, like the most dominant yeah. like comparing it to like Eddie the Celtics may be the best team in their sport you could argue the Lakers are better here they are hands down the best team in their sport okay I mean look Sam we've got to give it to Frank here he has really played us like a fiddle because it's hard for us to pick holes in this one without coming across as sexist and misogynist so he has really yeah. outdone us here Say it's hard want. i can screwed my draft up <laughs> i mean i the only I the the only fact that i will maybe dispute there is you said they were the first to have three draft picks the first major sport to have three draft picks from the same school i'm not sure if i'm going to throw the wnba into the major sport category but uh aside from that you make some very valid arguments why wouldn't you eddie it's it's a professional basketball it is one of the major sports what are you trying to say eddie (laughs) but uh no i mean it i have to admit it is not a pick they didn't make it onto my draft board so the only other thing we could say is, have you drafted them too high? Because tactically, you did not need to take them too. I know. I thought about that, but I thought you're probably right only because Sam would not have taken them and it will come back around to me he before it gets women. to you. I thought there's a chance you, you would have taken them, but I, I think they were completely off Sam's radar. But I will draft in a logical sense not a strategical sense just just to give yukon the respect that they deserve eddie okay fair enough as i said difficult to argue with sam who are you taking with a three pick so i didn't have them frank no um you're absolutely right with that tactic play a tactical play that you went i kind of left the celtics because i felt that they were going to go off quite early i've actually got quite a few to pick from but I think the first team that I had was Chelsea. Sticking with my okay. constant soccer theme, actually, I had three from B. Way too high for Chelsea. Keep going. <laughs> so Way too high. The thing is, I get the next one, right? So it's kind of, it's okay. Um, but the thing is, Chelsea are an extremely old club. Um, early 18, uh, sorry, late 1800s, they were created. Um, but the interesting thing with Chelsea is they didn't actually enjoy too much success. They've always been at Stamford Bridge, but they didn't enjoy too strong much start to your argument. Yeah, they didn't enjoy strong too much success until they won their first competition in like 1950. <laughs> but the interesting thing with Chelsea, and this actually goes to like Eddie's argument about it happening in our lifetime, is that they really became a team in the 90s and then started what was kind of the, a money revolution of sorts within the Premier League uh, when they were bought by Roman Abramovich. So during the 90s, they weren't really there in the leagues, um, but they were in cup competitions. They had some fantastic players like Gianluca Fiali, Zola, Leboeuf, um, Desai. Um, they had some great players, basically, in the 90s. And then really the Abramovich and Mourinho era came in and they they kind of changed the game 
in the Premier League, really. Uh, money became a massive, massive, massive factor. Um, they inflated the transfer um, fees that people would pay, knowing that kind of these mega rich owners would come in. But it transferred to success on the field. So they won the um, Premier League and they won it back to back in 05, 06. Uh, it's only been done a couple of times. Um, and they won it in 2010. Only a well. couple. Yeah, only a couple. I think it may be like four. Um, yeah, only been done four times since 1992. What an achievement. But such I mean, as, such, as, the, such an exclusive club. They're in the Champions League final this year, obviously, but they had an extremely famous run. Uh, when they won it in 2012, uh, they were they had kind of massive underdog status against um, Barcelona in the semi-final. Uh, that really famous Torres goal, and then they had equally as underdog status against Bayern in the final. Still managed to do it. So I, I really remember that final. You're right, Eddie. I do feel like I may have drafted them too high, but I think they're. A famous I'd say about. Player. 22 picks too high. Instantly regretting. Kind of, you know it's, it's not one a good of those pick ones you where when you, get, regret it when you get the fourth, when you get the pick after, you're kind of like, who do I, who do Sam, I just pick any? Sam, four would have been too high. So the, oh, really? the fact that they've, right. yeah. I mean, not even the fourth, fifth best team in the history of the Premier League. Okay. So how are they making, how are they making the cut here? We've, I've made an argument. I've tried to take the best team in the history of the NBA Frank's taken the best team in the history of uh, women's college basketball, arguably maybe the best team in any form of college sports. And you've come in with a team I remember winning the Champions League. That's your <laughs> argument. It's like, oh, yeah, I saw this happen. This Don't is, worry. And by but, C, you mean on TV. You weren't even physically <laughs> present. But I mean. Team that had Olivier Giroud. Yeah. <laughs> Great team. Great player. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, they had some okay players in the 90s. Wow. I see, I see but, what you're doing. You're, look, you're, you're just trying to look, you realize my success with the B draft, so you're both coming out for me and see. No, no, no. You nailed oh. look, you nailed the Bs. Round and, and we Round one, Sam, is a clear loss yeah. to you. We had disasters in the Bs and you nailed it. And it's at the moment, it's you're headed for a disaster here. Can you salvage it with your next pick? You're gonna say no, but I find <laughs> the reason. Colton Football Club from the Australian <laughs> Football League. Oh, I, I've won this draft. Hey, I mean, Sam you, hasn't. Won you're it going to a way. women's team. Actually, let me I am going that. to the oldest and most famous Austra Aussie Rules football team, the Colton Football Club. So they were formed in 1864. So that's years before Man U, most clubs, most kind of sporting clubs that we see today. So they're one of the oldest clubs in the world in any sport. They were, so it was 1864, they were one of the inaugural members of the Aussie Football League um, that kind of formed in 1896. They've won 16 championships, which um, by a mile. Wow, 16, 16 championships in 130 years. That's but it's by prolific. a mile, but it's by a long shot the most that have been won by a team. They play at one of the most iconic stadia in the world, the MCG. So they play at the Melbourne Cricket Ground. So, and they regularly get really high attendance. I mean, just think, at it. Frank. Just Frank. Just think about this. They're such a big team that they play at a ground wh whose very name references a different sport. Yeah, which is interesting because it doesn't host as much <laughs> cricket. It's an interesting fact about the, the MCG is it actually is an Aussie Rules stadium that has cricket. 
So, yeah, I'm going for the most successful and one of the oldest teams in the world at Aussie Rules Football. So, yeah, Carlton Football Club. Also affectionately known as the Baggers, <laughs> which I thought was quite a fun name. But, uh, Look, I think it's you got creative there. I applaud that fact. But, A, again, you've drafted them too high. You could have sat on that. for They're a third round. Oh. They're the third round pick where you get a little creative and you, you make a nice argument for a team. You've taken them fourth. And then and then the they're gonna look worse after one one of my upcoming picks. I'll just say that. But but uh Frank, up? Frank. you're up next. All right. So I'm up next. I don't venture across the pond very much because I find great success on my North American sports, but I'm gonna go across the pond and I'm gonna go with one that I know I'm going to get ripped on for not being the strongest team. But when you put in the context of what country they're playing oh, in, hold on. I'm they just, are extremely dominant. No, 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 hold on a second, Sam. Prepare yourself because, because of my first pick, Frank couldn't go racist in this draft, but he could go sectarian. And that's what it's, that's I, what's about to happen. I, I, I can see yeah, what's coming. I've got it written down as well. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm going to go Celtic. So, you know, we, 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 we've started to come, I think, into certain, like, characteristics that make it a great team. So one of them that Sam pointed out with his one is longevity. So they're one of only five clubs in the world to have won over 100 trophies in their history started in 1888 and i actually like the fact that they were started as a means of fundraising by brother wilford to help out the irish scottish people that were currently in poverty in glasgow at the end of the 1800s that's kind of a cool fact that they've they have this they were originally just developed as like a charity organization almost uh they were the first british team to win the european cup in 1966 or 67 uh, they've won 51 times in their domestic league. So they are winning almost 50% of the domestic league. So they're dominating their country, 37 Scottish cups. Uh, so that's obviously longevity, success, one characteristic. I think personally, they have a pretty iconic kit. So whenever you see the stripes, it, you kind of always know who they are. And it hasn't changed since 1903. So Chelsea does not have that going you know, for them. But you know why Celtic have managed to kind of corner the market in the green and white hoops? It's because it's awful. So like you don't have competition. <laughs> like, I th- Hey, it might be, but... It's them and sporting, it's, basically. It's a pretty yeah, recognizable kit. The other one that would have the competition. Yep. Maybe Werder Bremen or something like that. <laughs> so they have the UK record for unbeaten run in domestic football with 69 matches and then you get to the fan base and i think the fan base is pretty cool because wow pretty cool (laughs) (laughs) the celtic fan i meant to say pretty cool that's a pretty cool i I love it when they do all that sectarian violence and rioting when they they throw the bricks it's pretty sweet i love it when they take out all those protestant fans that's cool I meant the stat. I misspoke. But about 10 years ago, their fan base was estimated around 10 million with a country that only has about five and a half million. So they've doubled the population of their country with their fan base. Pretty pretty neat stat. 
Uh, and then the other part about their fan base, besides what you're referencing, is their attendance records. So they have the highest attendance record for a football match in Europe with 147,000 people back in 1937. And they have the highest ever for a European football club competition at 136,000 people against Leeds in 1970. So you have a dedicated fan base that's been around for a while and have dominated their country. Look, I mean, I think it's admirable that first you chose a, a team from a women's sport <laughs> and then you chose a team that plays in a blind school league. But still, who are you still, referring I will to say, there? Celtic. <laughs> yes. But still, Celtic, I, I will say this Celtic should have gone above both of Sam's picks. So from that respect, you, you're, you're beating him in this draft for sure. Wow. I didn't realize Eddie was the adjudicator. Yeah, I, I mean, and, and, just well, I understand the argument is, is that if you put a team like Chelsea up against a team like Celtic, the majority of those years, Chelsea might be the better team. However, oh, we can use Chelsea that argument. Has the money they have. Oh, I, I forgot. Can we go ahead to no, 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 that. I'm saying you can't. I'm saying no, no, no. Because if we can, if I can put the Boston Celtics up against the University of Connecticut's <laughs> women's team, I'm pretty confident that I'm going to win that every time. I don't know. You've, have you seen their unbeaten record, Eddie? <laughs> True. Hey, 111 straight games is pretty impressive. Look. Now I'm going to get a little creative with my next pick. This is this is when it gets we get into the tough range, and it was hard for me to prepare because Celtic were on my draft board. Uh, that's pretty much it, actually. Out of the teams that have been selected so far, <laughs> <laughs> but but I'm going to make. Now, remember, you're picking an order. You can't pull the Sam and be like, no, no. I don't know which order I picked them in. It doesn't matter. I know. Okay. No, 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 I mean this. But this is, I'm going to make Sam's Carlton pick look bad because I'm also going to go Southern Hemisphere. I'm not going to go to Australia. I'm going to go to New Zealand. I'm going to take the Crusaders, the dominant team in Super Rugby. So, Frank, you were talking about how the University of Connecticut might be the most dominant team in their respective sport. Well, Super Rugby has only been around since 1996, and the Crusaders have won 10 titles. And in addition to winning those 10 titles, they've also been runners-up four other times. So basically, you could almost count on the Crusaders making it to the final of, the, of, of Super Rugby every single season produced some of the most famous players in recent history. Dan Carter came through there. Uh, McCall came through there. Richie McCall. Hold, hold basically every team and individual record in Super Rugby. I think when you consider that they're the dominant side in this club, in club rugby in the Southern Hemisphere, but most importantly, they're the dominant side in New Zealand. And when you think of rugby union, I think most people think of New Zealand. So you're basically saying that they are the dominant team in a country that produces the best rugby union players on a consistent basis. So for that reason, I think you are looking at a team that do fundamentally dominates the sport, sport from a club level. So you're, you're going to get after me on Celtic. 
you're going to sit there and pick a team that plays in Christchurch. That's their hometown. And they're named the Crusaders after the medieval military expeditions where they went and just yeah. murdered people for three I mean, centuries. Key point here, they didn't do it in New Zealand, though. <laughs> yeah. You're right. It is, it is cultural appropriation. We should probably get on them for that. But, Frank, you're right. Yeah. They were, the Crusaders went and murdered people. <laughs> Back then, and now the Crusaders, the rugby team, are going out there and they're murdering people in Super Rugby on a weekly basis. The the Crusaders of Christchurch might be one of the most <laughs> egregious names for a team you can put together. I mean, they were originally, in fairness, they go just by the Crusaders. They they originally they were originally the Canterbury Crusaders. Can't argue oh, look, with they're it. as dominant they're as dominant as they get. Yeah, can't argue with it. Didn't look at it, didn't consider it. So don't know too much about Southern Hemisphere rugby to challenge it either. So well done. <laughs> maybe maybe a bit too high for that reason, though. I don't think Frank had it. I don't think I would. Maybe. Oh, no, no, I know. Big... Look, I know that. But here's the thing is, I don't think either of my two remaining picks would be on either of your draft boards. So. My number one pick was the only time when I knew that I was going to take something off one of your boards. Mm. I think for my, and then that's in part when you're picking sixth and seventh, you kind of have to start working under the assumption that you've got to be creative because every team I would have considered, like I considered Celtic, I knew they were going to be gone by sixth. I'll be honest, I thought that Chelsea would be gone by sixth. I just didn't think they would be picked third, but... People make mistakes. Who's up now? Now, now it's it's me again. I get to back to back this, and I'm hesitant. I got one team from a major sporting league. Tempts me a little bit, but I'm gonna get creative. Two picks in a row. I think I know who Frank is taking. Pretty confident. I know who Frank is taking. I'm not interested in them. I'm 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 telling you now, if if he picks who I think he'll pick, terrible pick. But I'm gonna go. I went <laughs> I went to the southern hemisphere. Now I'm gonna go to the subcontinent. Because my next pick, the Chennai Super Kings from the IPL. God damn it. <laughs> God oh. damn it. <laughs> damn it. They have won the IPL <laughs> three different times. Now you're talking about a competition that's only been going since 2008. So fairly consistent winners in, in the competition. They won the T20 Champions League on two occasions. Now defunct, but in the six years that the T20 Champions League was going, they won two of them. So they kind of established international dominance as a team. think with Mahendra Singh Dhoni, Maybe the player who's been the kind of face of Indian limited overs cricket in the time that the IPL has been going. So they have that going for them. They also have a host of great domestic and overseas players. Those overseas players include Mattia Mularitharan, Stephen Fleming, Matthew Hayden, Andrew Flintoff, Shane Watson, Brendan McCullum. Just a whole host of some of the greatest players to have played cricket in recent years. So 
I mean, and if we wanted to get into stadium size, fan bases, number of people attending matches, they would blow all of these other teams out of the water in recent seasons, right? So, yeah, for that reason, that's my pick. You forgot to mention the getting banned for a couple of years from the IPL because of um, spot fixing, right? So, look, nice. Nice if you can't if team. you can't try and make a little bit money uh, money on the side by deciding when you're going to bowl a wide, I'm not sure if I want to be associated with you. No, I put some shady characters in my draft too, so you just beat me to it because I I had them on my uh, I had them on my list. So it's okay, Sam. You can just go. You can rely on the fact that you're the you will have been the only one to have drafted a team most associated with old age pen, old age pensioners. So you've got that going for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when we talk about fervent fan bases, the Chelsea pensioners are right up there. I mean, they've got such amazing chants at Chelsea, like Chelsea. <laughs> like, hey, wasn't wasn't Football Factory about them? They have um, one of the most famous hooligan groups called the Headhunters. I think Chelsea. It's like a really yeah. Isn't that yeah. what Football Factory is about? The movie. I thought Football Factory oh, they're was in it. West. They're definitely I in it. I think it's West Ham Football Factory, but yeah, as a result. No, that's Green Street Hooligans. Oh, okay. Then maybe it is. I don't know. It all merges into one big hooligan blob. <laughs> See, yeah. <laughs> big hooligan blob. <laughs> that's, that's Big Chill Podcast. That's, essentially, they all just look like. That's how Vinnie Sam Jones. describes himself. They all just look like Vinnie Jones and Danny Dyer to me, to be honest. <laughs> like all hooligans. Mm. All right, Frank, your final pick. So Super Kings were actually on my board. My concern was you have the Mumbai Indians who arguably are the racist name. Better team and overall. C? Yeah. <laughs> no, but I, I know. I know. But I'm saying that, uh, you know, maybe if they're not the best in the IPL, then I, I was worried but you're getting now into the third round so you're not you're not going to get a steal i'm, I'm going to make the best i'm going to do a lewis hamilton on you now i am going to text sam who i think you're about to pick all right go for it outside of all the okay. racial slurs i've got it <laughs> so this is a tough one for me because i'm going to stick to north america and i'm going to go with the major sport the question is, what sport do I go? Do I go baseball or do I go football? For me, I'm going to draft how I want to draft in the sense that who would I want to go hang out with on a Saturday night? And that would be Peyton Manning. With his oh, wow. time with the Indianapolis Colts. Not who I thought you were gonna take. I know who you thought I was gonna take, but who do you who do I'm, you think I thought you were gonna take? The St. Louis Cardinals. No, I thought you were gonna take the Montreal Canadiens. Oh. I thought you were gonna go original six, you were gonna spin that whole thing. They were kinda like I was considering them for my final pick, but that's where I thought you were gonna I thought you were gonna spin talk about founding the league again and all that kind of stuff but 
No, like tell us why the Indianapolis Colts should deserve to be up there. Please. I think he's just kind of I using want... them indirectly just to say Peyton Manning by the sounds of it. Well, here's a pretty much. I mean, no. So, so my argument against the Canadians is I am a non-Canadians fan. And I think that's one of those teams where like either you like them or you hate them. So I just won't pick them off the fact that I don't, out of the original six, they're like the most hated of the teams. And I think you can poke a lot of holes in the way that they ran their organization for a very long number of years. So I did not, I went with the, I went with the Colts. It's the third pick, you know, there's, there's not the best, best teams, but what they do have is two of the most iconic players at the most iconic position of football. And that's Johnny Unitas and Peyton Manning. They are both in the top five all time of quarterbacks, both played for the same team. And I think when you think of football, you think of quarterbacks. And I think you think of Johnny Unitas and Peyton Manning. So I think that's probably one of the biggest reasons I take the Colts. They have, you know, that iconic horseshoe that's been their logo forever. They're one of the original teams. Uh, one of the oldest organizations in the NFL. They've won two Super Bowls. They also won three NFL championships before they merged. So they're a pretty successful team uh, with a lot of history. And I think sometimes you just need to go with the players. And I think they're two of the most iconic players in all of football. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought you might have won this draft and then you made that pick and now I don't. So that's... <laughs> I will say, how do you lose with Peyton Manning? Look, you ripped into me for when I picked the Chicago Bulls and you were like, well, you're basically just picking Michael Jordan and you are outright saying, but I'm not just picking Manning. I'm picking Manning and Unitas. I mean, Johnny, two different errors, Johnny, the best QBs of their errors, Johnny Unitas. I, I mean, I'm not downplaying how good he was in his era, but, uh, think you might be calling Johnny United as a top five quarterback might be slightly controversial. I have to say you'd have to argue that for a while, Sam, I think you should now take the Canadians <laughs> <laughs> most winning his hockey team. Stanley cup history. Are they, can I just say that then? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we can't done. We've given um, you the arguments founding founding team in the NHL, won the yeah, most titles. We've kind of yeah. put it on a plate for you. If you want to go that way. Most championships by a team of any of the four major North American I could just sports. easily say that, but they weren't on my list, to be honest. Um, Besides the Yankees. I, di- I didn't look at them, so I guess it, it, wouldn't be, it wouldn't be right. It wouldn't be cricket for me to look at them. Um, one of the teams I had, or I guess my final my last pick, is the Dallas Cowboys. Um, I picked the Cowboys because they are... so they were Much a- better pick than the Colts. America's team. Yeah. Way better if, you, oh, if you're going to go NFL. Five goals, eight appearances. Been around since the 1960s as an expansion side. But the thing is, like, j- racist just owner. From, hey, you've seen the schedule ad. He's great. <laughs> he, he, like, they're just one of the world's richest clubs as well. I'm pretty sure they were the first NFL club to hit four billion, first NFL club to hit five billion. I think they're the most valuable team in the NFL for like 12 years in a row. But they've also had some great people in it. So, like, Emma Smith, Troy Aikman have been in their kind of past and their team as well. I think they're a bit of a powerhouse of a 
team. Like for me, when I started into the NFL, it was just always interesting to see like the reasons why the Cowboys play on Thanksgiving. And they seem to have a big story woven in with the NFL. And they always seem to be there as a massive presence. So that's why I'm picking the Cowboys. I, I think it's a solid pick. I mean, you got to really question how you pick Chelsea before you pick the Dallas Cowboys in some respects. But... <laughs> <laughs> But uh, but I got them. They're on my team. I mean, out of the NFL teams, the Cowboys had to be the first pick. Going Colts over Cowboys is insane. In the memory. But, like, the only team that you would have maybe spun over the Cowboys for me, if you were going NFL, was making the Chiefs argument and talking about loudest stadium in world sports and maybe if you're going to go single player saying that the future with Mahomes, you're kind of drafting for the future over the past. Also played in the first Super Bowl, right? That would have been my chief's argument. Colts is crazy. Crazy, crazy, crazy. It's not crazy. It's crazy. Unitas and Peyton Manning doesn't get any better than that. Hey, Frank, um, who did Peyton Manning? You loved, you loved the, uh, Schedule videos. What's that? You're cutting out. I can't hear you. Know, you. The schedule that? videos that cutting came out. out. What? Who did? Uh, who did Peyton Manning appear? Which franchise did Peyton Manning kind of represent in their schedule video that just was released? Was it the Indianapolis Colts? <laughs> Maybe the Broncos. Okay, a team we didn't even draft with the bees. That's true, actually. Listen, the Colts have just as many championships as the Cowboys. They've been around longer, so they're a more established franchise. Who's who's the better quarterback, Troy Aikman? No, get out of here. But we're not just drafting. We're not drafting best quarterbacks. We're drafting the team. I understand. I'm drafting that. commercial powerhouse with the Cowboys. Yeah. And what happened with Chelsea? Commercial powerhouse. Just drafting rush, drafting Russian money. Colton Football Club, <laughs> Aussie Rules Powerhouse. <laughs> Did you guys have any honorable mentions? People that you considered for your draft that haven't come up. Because uh, I've got one. I I had, I had a one. few. So my honor, my honorable mention that I thought should have just gotten it for alliteration, the Colombo Colts Cricket Club. <laughs> that was pretty good. Four C's. Col- Colombo Sri Lanka. Four whole C's. Yeah. Do you mean? Yeah, the Sri Lanka Domestic wow. League. They've won six first class tournaments. I I mean, Montreal <laughs> probably should have been in the draft. The Chicago Cubs. The Cubs. Yeah, that is one of mine. The fact that no one drafted the the winningest hockey franchise um, is bad. Another club I had was Corinthians in uh, Brazil. Um, so they're a pretty good one as well. But to be fair, they're only the third most decorated team in Brazil. So Yeah, I'd know. considered Cruzeiro from Brazil, Colo Colo. Um, I'd also thought about a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I think with the exception probably of Montreal and maybe the Chicago Cubs, I think we pretty much covered at least this is the draft. This was the most diverse draft that we've ever had. That is for sure. Cause a team from India, a team from St. Louis Cardinals, team from Australia, team from Scotland. Oh, the first time we've had a women's yeah. sports team drafted. So, I mean, we're only letter C, so it's not 
<laughs> we'd only drafted uh, 18 teams up until this point, but yeah. Yeah. So the other one, so I believe UConn deserves to be in C because you can say Connecticut or University of Connecticut, but I do not think UCLA deserves to be a C yeah, we debated because no one says University of California. So that's why I did not pick them. Otherwise, they also would have been a pick for uh, basketball. So who do you think? You think UCLA is really an L? Well. No, I think they're U. University. Like, I don't think there's anyone. <laughs> yeah, yes. No, no. Go no, university. Not, not even for university. Because it's just UCLA. No, it's got to be. That's what everyone calls no, them. No, it's got to be. I agree with you. No, because no one calls them. Yeah, but no them. one calls them university. Or do you mean they'll call them UCLA? As in. you got to associate yeah, them like, with. So what I'm saying is like, like University of Arizona, people will still say Arizona. No one will say for UCLA, no one will say California. No one will say Los Angeles. No one will say California, Los Angeles. Everyone <laughs> says UCLA. I do That's agree. All Look, I agree. you're right that people only ever say U- UCLA people. But then like, but. I think you have to go location at that basis because that's the location of the school. So it's L.A. in the same way that. Otherwise, the U is going to be a hot pick because there's a lot of U, like a lot of schools out there would go just by U blank, blank, blank. And that makes L strong because okay. it's obviously going to have the Lakers, UCLA, Liverpool. As I research these teams, I start to become kind of fans of the teams. So now, like if I meet another person who is a Celtic supporter, I have a bunch of facts in my back pocket to talk to them. About. Really? Wow, I'm sure they, I'm sure they can't wait to meet an American you who just imagine, runs off basic going facts. To a Celtic to fan, go. Did you know they were founded in 1910? 1888. <laughs> oh, gee, asshole. God. I'm not a Celtic. Well, fan. I'm not as diehard as you. Anyway. I and look, and for listeners, we're always interested in hearing from from you as to who you think won. The best way to do that is either to probably the best way is on Twitter or the videos will eventually go up on YouTube and you can go in the comments section and let us know there. If you're watching on YouTube, obviously just leave a comment at this point. And uh, if not, you can follow us on Instagram and do some Instagram post where you tell us you could do something creative and rank our picks. Be really amazing to see some fan. uh, No one's going to do that, but if they really that motivated. (laughs) They really wanted to go above and beyond. Did you happen to see the Padres fan who knocked out the Rockies fan? <laughs> oh, for all our listeners, go Google or Twitter or whatever. Padres fan knocking out Rockies fan. And it is a one punch fan fight to end all fan fights. <laughs> I'll give him credit. The walk. The determination in the walk is pretty good. Like, yeah, the punch itself—it's <laughs> not the greatest. It didn't look that. He's caught him just right, right? Like he's rocked his jaw, but it's not actually a great punch. Like you wouldn't see that punch and be worried about getting in a fight with that guy as a result of that punch. Good placement, yes. but it is—it's a definite sucker punch. Like the other guy, the other guy. You got to question him because this guy has power walked his way down there. <laughs> and if you're not ready for a punch to be thrown based on the way that guy is walking towards you, you do not read social cues. 
It's like if you saw a mountain lion running at you, and you just like bent over to pet it. Yeah, he's just like, here, kitty, kitty. Uh, now, the, Yeah, that guy has a pretty beeline to him. Now, the interesting thing is the people who then jump in are not his friends, right? Like the people who are around <laughs> the guy who get knocked out are just like, why'd you do that? And then it's like some random guy from way back who decides to jump on top of him, which is another interesting. Now, do you think he jumps on top of him because he's a fellow Rockies fan and is mad that a Padres fan punched a Rockies fan? It looks fan? that way. Weird move. Like, I mean, you have to. The thing is, we don't know what was said or when, when like, what made the guy walk over with such determination. Like, what was the, what was the taunting going on? Maybe we can draft best sports fights ever. Oh, uh, what's his face? Meta. Oh, the Malice in World the Peace Malice has got to be up there. The Malice in the Palace is the best like sports-related brawl ever. It's the moment, you know, like everyone taunts players or yells at players, you know, like you're in the stands and you have that sense of security that you can basically, not me personally, I don't yell at professional athletes, but... I wait to do that on the podcast, but in a stadium, I'm not there to, to kind of abuse them verbally. But you see people who say things that they would obviously never say face to face to anyone, but certainly not someone who is just a much bigger and stronger human being. And the thing that's great about the Malice in the Palace is you've taken these kind of like superhuman athletes off the court and then just thrown them into just destroying random middle-aged men <laughs> in the stands and just the havoc that breaks loose and the calculation that you would have to make when this is going is like how many of us is it going to take to take down one of them because it's at least 10 i love those kind of ideas of like how many of us are needed to do this task <laughs> so if it's like how many of a certain type of person could you beat up or like i mean how many people would i have to be fighting with to beat lebron james like for like if I tried to make that calculation in my mind, it would be I'd need at least three or four more people to feel like I was confident I was gonna win. Yeah. An another good one that comes to mind for me with the whole fan thing is um Ty Domi, who is probably notoriously known as top three or five fighters in the NHL, like legendary puncher in the NHL, went into a penalty box and the fans above him were kind of chirping at him so he had a water bottle and was kind of squirting them with the water bottle a few times just to piss them off and they kept getting crazier and crazier and then the one fan kind of charged from a few rows down and i think was hoping the glass would hold as he kind of charged <laughs> but the glass did not hold and he fell into the penalty box and Tidomi just beat the shit out of him <laughs> That guy instantly <laughs> regretted that move. Now, that's a that's an epic this one. This leads me actually to another question that I've been thinking about this week. Because obviously, it looks like the Lakers are going to make the playoffs, which means LeBron James made his first playoff appearance in 2006. So you're talking about 15 years of playoff appearances in the NBA, which is pretty impressive. And before, right, I think last week or the two, one or two episodes ago, kind of spoke about the fact that 
there are these players who keep us feeling young, of which LeBron James is one because I can remember watching him as a teenager. And so even though he's kind of not that much older than me, it makes me feel as if I'm watching a much older person because I can still watch him from the perspective of my, my teenage years. Here's my question for each one of you. Assuming that you could freeze yourselves in your current states, like not, not Walt Disney style freeze, not like cryogenics, but in terms of uh, actually just maintaining your current physical status for the, the, the foreseeable future. How old is LeBron James before you think you could beat him one-on-one -on -one in basketball? Didn't we discuss this already? No, we discussed. Like, well, no, kind it, of. It's a variation of what we've discussed, yeah. but this is literally like, at what age will he have to be before you think so I you're, you're going to win? So I am, at this point, as capable as I'm ever going to be. To Yeah, you don't get to go back in time. Okay. Because, so, for example, like, you can't pick 18-year-old you. You are, you know, you right now. But LeBron James is going to continue to age. At what age do you feel like you have the upper hand? I mean, we've got to go. We've got to go well into retirement here against me. <laughs> like really into retirement. By retirement, you don't mean NBA retirement. No, I <laughs> no no. Yeah. That's obvious. I mean, maybe three years <laughs> when he's a little rusty. <laughs> Just catch him off guard. You know? uh, yeah, we're going well into like actual. So you're taking him in his seventies, probably in his seventies, late. 70s. late 70s wow. i've got to be sure like if i'm if i'm allowed time i've got to be sure that i'm winning or is it got to be Some to a late... point where you think it's going to be close you think you could win so you think no, it's you like think kind of you tipped in your favor i'm going like yeah. mid 70s mid 70s <laughs> you don't I, think you could be i now i i need to learn basketball <laughs> No, but that's but that's the thing though. Am I allowed to train really. for those forty years no, while he's no, aging? No, no, no. Your capabilities. You're you. You're oh, so then, now. Sam, you got to say Your like nineties are right now. When does that become insulting <laughs> yeah. if you say like a ninety-five-year-old LeBron could beat me at basketball? Like, I, I, I think it's insulting to think that an eighty-year-old LeBron could beat you at basketball. He'd still be eighty. <laughs> yeah, but like, he's still he's still got the he's still got the head on him. He still knows it. I'm gonna say. 60. 60 seems about fair. For me, I think I'd be going, I think I'd be optimistic and I might say 55. Because I just think of NBA players, their knees are usually shot right. Like, that's the thing that kills them. Yeah. What are like, you, how are you, what is the game when you're against him though? Like, are you just, have, just running? Just, just having kind <laughs> of a one on one. Just... <laughs> Or is it like I would assume I would assume that his knees are going to be shot by the time he's fifty. That just like the wear and tear. Like when you see like if you watch Charles Barkley walk now, it is a painful experience to watch him move because it is like basically there's no knee bend anymore. So obviously he was he's always going to be bigger and taller than me. So even if he can't jump, he could still block my shot without jumping in basically every scenario. So I would just dribble around to try and get away from him to get an open shot. In terms of guarding him, that's a different question because he, he could still just back me down to the post. And then I just have to hope. I can't block his shot right. 
because he's six inches taller than me. I just love. Sorry, I, just have... I love how the idea of how this would come around, like LeBron mid seventies, like I just turn up, like <laughs> you remember me. Well, I guess you could imagine the scenario in real life now. So, like Michael Jordan now, would I give myself a chance of beating Michael Jordan currently? No, and he is what fifty five. You think you could beat him? He's fifty eight. So you think you could beat him? I don't him. think I could beat him. No way. I don't think. I mean, no way. He. Oh wait, wait, wait. Jordan's fifty eight. Yeah, oh, then I'm gonna say sixty five. <laughs> oh, Jordan back. made you bump it up. Suddenly seventy five ain't looking so stupid. Yeah. Because the thing with Jordan, right? So Jordan could dunk. I don't think he can dunk anymore. But he could dunk until in his fifties because the videos came out. And I think because he's the. He used to play the Charlotte players, and he may still do this, like one-on-one at the beginning of the season. And some of those players in the NBA, when Jordan was 50, was saying that he was still beating them one-on-one when he was 50, and they were like 22-year-old NBA players. So Jordan... Yeah, Jordan, I'm probably... I need another 10 years before I'd give myself a chance against Jordan, I would guess. Or just hope that in the next 10 years he like loses a leg or something happens. Well, <laughs> just as it's happened, it's like you, me, Jordan on the court now. Exactly. <laughs> My time has come. come. All right. Well, I think that wraps it up for this week. We had a, a top 10 and a draft. It's a, it's a great day. I'll talk to you boys next week. See you.